Thank you and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Dr. Scripture, the creation science community, just recently lost an important contributor. Yes, Scott, we are very saddened to learn that Dr. Kevin Anderson, who was the director of the Creation Research Society's Van Andel Creation Research Center, passed away on January 16th of this year, 2022. He'll be deeply missed, and our condolences go out to his family and associates. Indeed. Did you know him very well? I did not, but I did speak with him back in 2015 in in an extended interview. Oh, yeah. It was a remarkable conversation. And so in memory of Dr. Kevin Anderson, we're going to air that excellent two-part interview again. So here it is. Dr. Scripture, a few weeks ago, we aired a couple of programs on the exciting reports recently published in the Creation Research Society's spring issue of CRSQ, which is their quarterly journal. That issue of CRSQ was a special edition being totally dedicated to reporting on what is called the iDino Project. Our listeners might remember us uh, using that term. Mm -hmm. And in light of that, we have a special edition of the Scripture on Creation radio program today because we have the iDino project leader with us on our program today. Yes, Scott, I'm very pleased to introduce Dr. Kevin Anderson to our listeners today. Kevin, welcome to the program. Well, thank you for having me, and uh, good morning. At least it's morning here. Yeah, yeah well, who knows? Well, this this broadcast is aired at all different times of day across the country, so uh, who knows what time it is for our listeners, but I really appreciate your willingness to take some time out of your busy schedule and be on the program as I uh, hope to inform our listeners of some of the exciting things that you're doing. But first of all, since we've never even met, I, I've talked with you just briefly over the phone, but I'd like, as my listeners would, to get to know a little bit about you. So tell us, where are you from and what kind of uh, schooling did you have? I know you have got a doctorate, so tell us about where you went to school and what your doctorate is in. I grew up in Kansas. In fact, I grew up on a farm in Kansas, and my schooling is from Kansas State University and right. from Virginia Tech, and I have my Ph.D. in microbiology. Are you on staff for the Creation Research Society? I am the director of the Van Andel Creation Research Center, and the Creation Research Center here is under the control and ownership of the Creation Research Society. So, in essence, this research center is the Creation Research Society's facility and research arm. Wow, okay. Now, being up in the Chino Valley, correct? Chino Valley, Arizona, that is sort of near the Grand Canyon. I would have thought it was more of a geology-type research center, but if you're in microbiology, you're obviously doing some life science work there as Mm -hmm. well. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. I think it was originally built with the intention of doing geology, but then... They decided they actually wanted to put a biologist in here as director so that it didn't seem like the geology was all that the society did. Uh-huh. And so just kind of, you know, one of those factors of just trying to to keep a wide variety of research areas going on. Okay, well, tell us a little bit then about what is, goes on at that Van Andel Creation Research Center. Well, this is actually now the whole operational facility for the society. So, for example, if you call the society, if you order books, if you contact us in any way, this is where all that comes to. And so we're Hmm. really more than just a research center. We are the operational center. And when you are conducting research there, 
Uh, we already mentioned that you're doing biology research there as well as yeah. geology. Yeah. So how is the lab equipped? I mean, from my background, being in a, a biology lab, a molecular biology lab, you know, we got centrifuges and radioactive elements that you have to use in incorporating it into the different biomolecules. What kind of research mm-hmm. facility is there? Well, we have a variety of things. Uh, like any nonprofit lab, obviously, we'd like to get more. Yeah. Um, we have some material for geology work. A lot of the geology that's done is done by visiting scientists that come in, use some of our facilities, sleep in our living quarters and such, and then do a lot of field work. Um, as far as the biology aspects, at one time, Mark Armitage housed his electron microscopes here, so we had that. And then we have just some basic biology stuff for cultivating cells and doing mm-hmm. basic, you know, basic chemistry and such. And we're, as the iDino project expands and as other projects expand, we'll continue to bring in more equipment. So it's, it's just in an ever-growing situation, at least hopefully ever-growing anyway. Yeah, well, excellent. And uh, I was wondering if you had a scanning electron microscope or even just a, an electron microscope there. You say you did have one at least while Mark we, was we there, did, but not... Right. Right, right. Mark okay. has, because of distance and other factors, Mark moved his scopes out to be closer to where he actually lives. But right at one time for a number of years, they were housed here. Wow. Okay. And of course, you just mentioned the iDino project, and you are the uh, lead researcher with that project. So what are I, some of your responsibilities? I am, right. I am the project director. Uh-huh. Well, one of the big responsibilities, really like any project director anywhere, your responsibility is to get money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> a lot of times that, that becomes a full-time job in itself because obviously the research doesn't get done without the money. So right, right. certainly one of, my, one of my main focuses is trying to constantly secure money to do the research because people would have to understand that uh, research is expensive. And sure. Sure good is. research is very expensive. And I, I believe it was in a movie several years ago where they were talking about the need for money to do space exploration, and someone commented and said, you know, no buck, no buck Rogers. <laughs> so, you know, no, okay. no money, no iDino. So well, that, that occupies a lot of my time, yes. Well, we're, I'm going to give you an opportunity to let our listeners know how they could contribute to this, but to make it a little easier for them to uh, contribute, it's always good to get excited about what's going on. Yeah. So tell us yeah. some of the things that the iDino project is doing that would uh, get people interested enough to actually get behind it financially and help this research go forward. Well, to give a little background, okay. we started the project in uh, 2012, and we did some excavations in the Hell Creek Formation in Montana, which is very popular formation for finding uh, particularly Triceratops and Tronosaurus rex. And, in fact, it was in that formation about 60 miles away from where we were digging that they actually pulled out the T-Rex femur that Mary Schweitzer found some of the original soft tissue in and such. So this, this Hell Creek formation is becoming very popular for containing these fossils that have the soft tissue. So we're taking advantage of that, and so we're excavating Hell Creek also. Uh, We excavated a Triceratops horn. Now, no one had ever examined a horn before, because if you understand, horn is not the same as bone. Bone has a lot of mineralized shell structuring to it with a lot of tissue inside, where mm-hmm. horn tends to be the opposite. It tends to be the tissue material more on the outside and the, and the bone material more on the inside. Okay. So, so we thought this would be a totally unique uh, specimen to examine. 
The irony is, though, that when we pulled it out, it was wet because it was in sandstone, and sandstone, as you would know, is very porous, and so it allows water to seep through it. Sure. And we only The horn was only about a foot down, although when you're pounding through very solid sandstone, a foot can seem like a long ways. <laughs> so it took about three hours just to pound this out, but um, it was very wet. And, of course, one of the conditions for not preserving tissue would be wet. Sure. I mean, it's going to just rot, right? right? I mean, bugs and bacteria, I use the correct term, get in there. Water will accelerate tissue degradation, accelerate protein degradation. Yes, bring a lot of microbes in with it that will accelerate degradation. So the fact it was wet was a little discouraging to us because I thought, oh, boy, this is not good. And then it was also a bit muddy, especially on one end that was slightly exposed off the side of of the hill. And so... We thought, okay, between the wet and the mud, I don't really see there's anywhere we're going to find anything. So even we, as, as young earth creationists, assuming, you know, taking the position this horn was just a few thousand years old, still felt it was unlikely there'd be anything in this horn because its preservation was so not pristine. Uh-huh. So, so in a condition that would not be conducive to preservation, that even we were discouraged that we'd find anything, and yet you've talked about it, you've seen the pictures, the pictures are published in the Creation Research Society quarterly, very, very lovely pictures of tissue, right. of cells in the tissue. Yeah, so we did find material, we did find that pliable, stretchable material in this horn, and so that was very exciting to us because that was the first time anybody ever found anything in a horn. Sure, and of course the video that we've even uh, put out there showing <laughs> Mark Armitage stretching some of the yeah. uh, soft tissues that they got out of that horn, it's, it's truly, truly amazing. So yeah. are there any other excavation projects scheduled that maybe hopefully you'll find some more of these kinds of fossils? What we're doing now, moving, we, we were featured on the cover story of American Laboratory. Okay. We have published in uh, a secular microscopy journal called ACT Histochemica. We presented at a international microscopy meeting in Connecticut last summer. So we've been doing a lot of publication on the horn, of the material we found on the horn. But what we're now moving to in what I call the second phase of iDino is to move away from actually just, again, finding tissue and such. Um, in fact, in the journal Nature Communication, just I think it was the May issue of Nature Communication, they were doing some analysis of a fossil that had been sitting in a museum for over 100 years, just sitting there in a museum, mm-hmm. and they still found tissue. And so they called, in that article, they called the finding of tissue common. They said the common preservation. Right. So, so they're having to acknowledge that this is very common. So we're moving away from repeating what we did with the first phase of Idina. We're going to move more into biochemistry, more into actually examining the preservation of proteins and challenging some of the models. You know, I think you would understand that uh, the evolutionists have had to come up with explanations of how could this possibly have been preserved for 65, 70, 80 million years, because Correct. that's what they're saying is the age of these fossils. And if they then would have to admit that these fossils aren't that old, do they have a whole other problem? In fact, I think Mary Schweitzer put it very well in an interview. She stated that it leaves two alternative interpretations. She said either the dinosaurs aren't as old as we think they are, or we don't know exactly how bones get fossilized hmm. and so, or, or how, how the material gets preserved. So I think that puts it very clearly. Either the dinosaur bones aren't that old 
meaning that the whole geologic time scale is off. Correct. Or there's some kind of mystical, magical preservation process <laughs> going on that we don't understand. I think that you know a lot of people still aren't quite grasping the impact to say that these uh, dinosaurs are not that old. These bones are not that old because the dating of the rocks then is all called into question. I mean, it truly yes. will shake the very foundation right. Right. of the entire evolutionary paradigm that requires these vast periods of time and these dating techniques are all going to be called into question. So this is really a profound a challenge to, uh, you know, not just when did dinosaurs go extinct, but the entire evolutionary uh, theory. Well, Dr. Scripture, the research that Dr. Anderson is conducting for the iDino project is really exciting. I mean, I sure want to hear more about it, but our time is up for today. <laughs> yes, Scott. And the extent of the project is much greater than I had realized. So obviously there was quite a bit more to my conversation with Dr. Anderson, and we'll continue our interview in our next program. But to conclude the show today, you know, Scott, as we were talking about all the possible things to be discovered through the iDino project, I couldn't help but think of a verse in Proverbs that speaks about research. It's Proverbs 25, verse 2. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. And that's not what I say. That's what Scripture says.